You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be taking a journey into the centre of the TARDIS so that you don't have to. Although, to be frank, if you haven't taken that journey yet, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Simon. And, uh, oh, I tell you what, let's start this episode. 60 seconds on the spot, and it's gonna be a leave, not done one for a while. Oh. 60 seconds on the invasion of time. <laughs> I know why you've picked this. Um, oh man, well, that, ooh, that's really hard to talk about after seeing the episode we're about to talk about without comparing it to the episode we've just seen. Talk about Invasion of Time. <sighs> okay, Invasion of Time. Wasted opportunity. I think it's six episodes, pretty much of a nothing. Stylistically quite interesting in some parts, parts of the Gallifrey. I thought it was a Gallifrey room with lots of clocks in it, wasn't it? Or cogs. Very nice. Uh, Tom Baker, brilliant as always, play, pretending to play a baddie. Nice surprise with the Sontarans. Terrible surprise with the Vardens and the Tinfoil Men, whatever they were. Uh, TARDIS swimming pool the inside of the TARDIS just is a hospital and a bunch of swimming pools terrible gun that you had to make oh, no awful I don't know if I could do 60 seconds just keep going okay um, Louise Jameson was in it wasn't she oh yeah she gets married off oh, a terrible ending for a, a really nice companion as this well is- Okay, that's 60 yeah. seconds. Really? Six episodes of Tom Baker, almost at his prime, and you struggle to get 60 seconds. I did say Tom was good. Brilliant. <laughs> right, I was going to do two more, but sod it. Let's 3.5. move on. We've got a lot of emails, so we'll do emails and talking points before we get to Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. You know, because I like to keep our listeners... What's the word? Alive. No, this is not going to do that. <laughs> um, right, this is from Gary Ackers, who uh, just recently started listening to the show. He says, just finished the 1982 episode in my Blue Box Marathon and wanted to offer a couple of thoughts about Peter Davison's first season. And obviously people at home are listening, waiting for us to start talking about Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. You can wait. Uh, Davison's era is very frustrating to me since I think he and Patrick Troughton were the best actors among the seven classic Doctors. With a more defined, proactive Doctor, fewer deadweight companions to diffuse the narrative, tighter scripting and more stories that didn't involve fan-pandering revisits from old villains and monsters, his era could have been truly great. JR made a great point some episodes back that different from Tom Baker does not equal a solid character. As for the 19th season, three points. Castrovalva was not a good debut for Davison. Too slow, and after an entire season of a sombre, almost funereal Doctor... Mm. Is that how you pronounce that word? Funereal? Funereal? No. Funereal. That sounds like a disease. 
After an entire season of a sombre, almost funereal Doctor, Davison needed to arrive in a burst of energy a la the 11th hour, not lying flat on his back for three episodes. Mm. The whole Event 1 crisis was pointless and the first episode should have been restructured to end with Davison's Don't You Understand? The Regeneration is Failing, which would have made for a terrific cliffhanger. Paul Treve had a nice hat though. Not in the first episode. He is, he he is very, can I just interject? He's very right because Peter Davison is a bit like the David Tennant, isn't he? He's very, very young uh, and he's got a lot of energy. So you're absolutely right. He should have been hitting the ground running. So lying down was the absolute <clears throat> opposite. Instead of, he should have been hitting the ground running instead of hitting the ground and staying there for the next two and a half episodes. <laughs> I thought you say years. <laughs> Kinder. Says Gary Ackers. Oh, he's told me how to pronounce his name, Gary Ackers. Although his contact details on the email uh, call him Ganackers, and I'm going to continue to call him that because I like it. I thought it was Gene Ackers. Well, it's just Ganackers. Is that Ganackers? It could be a silent G, which would just make it Knackers. <laughs> but I like Ganackers. Don't you think that sounds good? It's got a ring to it, hasn't yeah, it? It's, it's, Ganackers. Yeah, a bit like Maracas. It's like a school friend, isn't it? You know? I, I like hope none of his Ganackers. school friends are listening to the podcast, otherwise they're going to start calling him Ganackers now. He says, Kinder, you made a fascinating point about every element in the story, including the sets, being metaphorical, but it's still hard to get past the crap jungle. <laughs> Seven years on from the magnificent jungle sets of Planet of Evil, and the only set they can create looks worse than the one in the Ark 16 years before. I mm. still like it. <clears throat> yeah. What, the jungle in Kinder? Like Kinder, it's great. Well, Kinder's a great story, but it does the have jungle a, is a bit jungle. Fans, yeah. mm. Or kinder, if you come from America. Time flight. Crap, yes, but also an example of how JNT didn't know how to structure seasons. Earthshock was clearly the climax of the season, so instead of trying to follow it with a story that never could have been realised effectively, the two-parter and four-parter which bracketed it should have been switched. How much better would it have been to close out the season by following Earthshock with a quieter two-part coda going more into the loss of Adric and the departure of Tegan along the lines of The Awakening or even Black Orchid? Mm. Mm. That would have been interesting. That would have been good, actually. A very quiet story. Imagine Black Orchid without Adric, and imagine how different the party sequences would have been. Less eating. I was going to say, you wouldn't have anybody eating all the volivants. (laughs) Anyway, he says, thanks again for a great podcast. The marathon continues. Thanks, Gary. Yes. Those are the bits that make Adric's presence worthwhile, though. The bits like that. You know, Kinder, where he... Where he yes. mucks it all up. Where he mucks it all up. Yeah, <laughs> eats his, loads. That was his finest moment. It was, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to work the machine. His negatives are his positives. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Declan May came in on Facebook to say after our last podcast, great episode as always. Glad you all seem to love Hyde. Couldn't care less if the Doctor mispronounced Metabolis. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Or maybe, like how every planet has different cultures, like we call our planet Earth, the French call it La Terre, the Germans Die Erde, etc. Maybe the Doctor was just using an alternate Metabolis cultural name. I can't even do it right when I'm trying to do it wrong. (laughs) Declan, I'm going with that. That's the best one yet I've seen. No, somebody said, seeing as John Pertwee can't even pronounce the word chitin. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps he... And of course, um, in... (coughs) Is it Remembrance of the Daleks? Where... Sylvester McCoy pronounces oh, yes. Spiridon instead of Spiridon. 
Perhaps it's just that John Pertwee didn't pronounce any of the words right. And yeah, maybe. Metabilis really should be metabolis. Yeah, maybe. Uh, by the way, I found out why it was mispronounced in the episode. But we'll come back to that after I finish Declan's email. Maybe the doc was just using an alternate metabolis cultural name. It is a big planet. He says, I bloody love Tide. Loved it. As far as I'm concerned, this series of Doctor Who, both halves, has so far been the best ever series of the show. I have oh. never been so excited, so entertained and so enthralled by Doctor Who. Mm. Better than it's ever been. Also, possible spoilers ahead. What think you guys of this theory that's doing the rounds, apparently from a good source? <clears throat> oh, I don't know if I should go into this because it actually probably might actually be spoilers. Mm. Which so, case, let's leave uh, Lee's okay. head might explode. Well, anyway, Declan, thanks for the first half of your email. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone actually wants to read that, isn't that on the Facebook yeah, it page is. anyway? Yeah. yeah, it is. So if you want to find out this theory that's doing the rounds. And he's right. I've heard from somewhere else that it, apparently it's good. So Okay. Don't show me. Thanks, Declan. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, I don't know. All Cheers, Deckers. Mispronunciation of the word metabolis has given me a frog in my throat. Right, two more emails. What's his name? So, uh, Cortin. Cortin, right. Uh, this is from Graham Boyd. Just thought I'd put this forward as the news has just come out. Also, it will give you something to talk about if you get all down about tonight's episode again. Whoa. Oh, that's a Cold War reference if ever there was one. <laughs> <coughs> Cold sore. We did all enjoy it, though. Yeah. Weird, we yeah. just couldn't so... find nice things to say about <laughs> yeah. it. My most recent comment is it's like a pot noodle. Yeah. It's lovely, but once you've finished it, you want to go back to the fridge and find something decent to eat. Yeah. 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 Too much salt. Deb Stanish from Verity said it was like uh, sushi. Yeah. Very tasty, but you don't want to know what's in it. Oh, I think it's a bit unfair. She's just talking about the Ice Warrior. She fancies him. <laughs> One thing that Until has he ev- takes his suit off. <laughs> There's a really unfortunate picture, um, a freeze frame, doing the rounds on the web of um, Clara with the Ice Warrior's bare claws around her head, and they do look like chicken feet. So somebody somewhere oh, yeah. is going to Photoshop that with a chicken on top. What, like you photoshopped the Ice Warrior into a gremlin? Yeah. <laughs> Take his ears off and it's perfect. And I photoshopped it so it was holding hands with another one. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Graham carries on to say, Anyway, with the last episode of the series being The Name of the Doctor, could this be the much-teased answer to the question that should not be asked? Therefore, this would be the fall of the 11th, i.e. the beginnings of the regeneration leading into a 50th episode, which could then be a sort of metaphysical exploration of the show's most unique feature. Mm-hmm. This would have the previous Doctor leading the current Doctor through his final adventure, giving them the opportunity to celebrate the previous Doctors, explore the idea of future Doctors, and maybe even fix that issue with a number 13. Uh, which also goes back to what Declan was talking about. Mm. Mm. Not saying that I want this to happen, Graham carries on, just think it has enough wibble wobble time and wime, and is also a sufficient twist on what's gone before for Mr. Moffat. I have to say, I completely agree with him. <clears throat> Not sure that I think Stephen Moffat will do that, but if you could imagine Matt Smith's last story having David Tennant in it, you'd also expect the guy who follows Matt Smith to appear in it as well. Why not? <coughs> John Hurt. 
not saying anything else. John <laughs> I'm lying, of course. John I'm lying. <laughs> okay, that was long enough. Remember his... Uh, um, what? Oh. <laughs> Are you right there? <laughs> oh, he's talking... He's gone back to our Cold War review. Remember, if the show is throwaway fun stuff, it's doing much better than it did for a good portion of the 80s. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is my friends and I thought that Cold War was great. He's having a go at us, isn't he? That's all right. He says, they, he says, he's the very last sentence, very sarcastic. <laughs> well, he says, we... there you go, a nice, shallow, positive opinion. <laughs> like a nice, shallow, it's positive fine. I mean, I like, I like Jurassic Park. It's the same thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, but that's, no, but specifically, it's because when we were doing the Cold War review, I accused anybody who liked it of being shallow. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't actually. Yeah, no, no. It no. probably came off like it sounded like I was saying. Yeah, I that. think you did say it. Did you? Did you kind of audio Photoshop that one in? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's what I meant, but I just didn't want to say it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> stop, stop playing with us. It's better than playing with myself. Ooh. Finally, Richard David Hogarth. Uh, Hello, Richard. Hey guys, first time writing in. Oh, I saved this one to last for a reason, which we'll come to. Welcome aboard, sir. Loving the podcast, he says. Even though I only started about a week ago, I'm only I'm about halfway through your back catalogue, which means you've listened to all the good ones we already. We've got a back catalogue. It's like David Bowie or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is oh, like God. when John Lennon compared the Beatles to Jesus, isn't it? Oof. Quick, move on. No, I quite like that. He's comparing us to David Bowie, yeah. and that's like John Lennon comparing the Beatles to Jesus. And that works for me. That's a good analogy. Yeah, I suppose he they didn't were them, though, did he? He said they were bigger than Jesus. No, it's true. He was, he was completely misread. Mm. Anyway, <clears> back to the email. <laughs> you wouldn't have had all that shouting and cheering at the Shea Stadium for Jesus Christ, would you? Especially if he brought his bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Richard carries on and says J.R. Dawkins <laughs> uh, My eyes are going I've got to get through this email quick <clears throat> Richard carries on and says um, Yes, that good He says Just wanted to drop some thoughts on this week's episode I thought, yeah, another really good episode this week And this part B is shaping up much better than part A I really thought they got a really great atmosphere and reminded me of Woman in Black with its sheer creepiness. Mm. So obviously he's talking about the Rings of Akaten, yeah? yeah oh, 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 oh. oh, God, shut up, JR, and just read the bloody email. <laughs> we go home, JR. Yeah. The acting... Just yourself. Yeah. L- less wacky, JR. The acting was fantastic, of course, and Doug Ray Scott was the standout, but gotta say, while I love the twist at the end of the episode, it was in a way typical Doctor Who. Happy ending, but a few minutes of digesting, I soon realised it kills the episode dead because of the creepiness of the crooked man, while not as good as Rings of Akaten for me, was still much better than the lacklustre dinosaurs on a spaceship, my least favourite episode of the new run. Is this a, he's a, a new listener, is he? Yeah. Which isn't, oh, well, we'll be kind to him. I to, I've you, already told him our feelings <laughs> on dinosaurs no, on a spaceship when I but, emailed him back. It's anything but lackluster, actually. <clears throat> but anyway. I eagerly await to see what the production team have concocted for next week, which is what we're talking about this week. Ooh. And one final thought. What did you guys think of the title for episode eight? Love it. Name of the Doctor. 
Um, you can guarantee the one thing we won't learn is no. Do you know when I first read it, I hated it. I thought, oh god, another one of those doctor's daughter type titles just to rein you in. But actually, why not? Yeah, yeah. doctor's daughter, doctor's wife, wedding of river song, pyramids yeah. of Mars. <laughs> Carol uh, Kroll, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the pyramids were in Egypt, weren't they? It was Sutek, it was on Mars. Sutek or Sutek? I'm a northerner. <laughs> anyway, after I'd emailed back and forth with Richard for a bit, he came up with the following question, which I was going to bring up. But before I do, I promised to tell this true story of the mispronunciation. And well, this is what I've pieced together from on Twitter and some people on my Facebook feed know this because I brought it up already. But if mm. you're not on my Facebook feed and you didn't see it on Twitter. All right. Matt Smith didn't know how to pronounce it, so he said it wrong. So when they got the tapes back to the check through, they realized he'd pronounced it wrong. They got him into an ADR studio, got him to overdub the lines so that it was pronounced correctly. And then they accidentally sent the uncorrected version off to be mastered for the DVD. Now, by this time, it's too late, and you're not going to recall 200,000 yeah. discs mm. just to correct a mispronunciation. So having realised that the DVD was going to go out with the wrong pronunciation on, I would say, because this is the bit I don't know, but my assumption would be they would think that it would be a worst outcry among fans if you pronounced it correctly on the telly, and then a couple of weeks later they bought a DVD with the wrong pronunciation on, mm. so they decided they'd better use the mispronunciation on the telly as well. Do you know what? I love that. I love the fact that that's happened, because it's made fandom go mental. can't believe I wound up people <clears throat> got about No, it. but it's brilliant fun, because we're all trying to make, you know, we're trying to build a reason into why he said it now. It's typical us, isn't it, as fans? We just do this all the but time. To be honest, it's, it's great fun. It it's like doesn't the matter, though. It's turning fun. up in a different costume and no explanation. So Metabilis has turned up with a different pronunciation. In yeah, their but this, this is what a genuine. This is a genuine mistake. They couldn't get it in time, and it's it's gone out. Yeah. and I love that. And it's you know, funny. Now we can start saying, "Why did the doctor say it like that?" <laughs> or we could all go on Google and look up. The literary agent hypothesis, which will make it not be remotely relevant. Mm. Mm. I'm depressed now. Why? I don't know, you just said it in a depressive voice. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Richard's last point, and one that I wanted to use to kick off our review of Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. What do you think of the nods to the classic series, like the blatant statement of the granddaughter in Rings of Akaten and the crystal from Metabolis 3? Bring it on. Bloody more, love it. More, okay, more. so which Doctor should we have been up to tonight? Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS? Uh, uh, Tom Baker. And what was the reference? Uh, the swimming pool. Well, in the dialogue. Oh gosh, mm. what did he say? Remember? Don't Ooh, know. Um, no. <laughs> he said the Time Lords have captured a star just as it's turning into a black hole and uh, captured oh, it right. in the TARDIS yep. in a perpetual state of decay. Hey. It was supposedly the thing that Omega discovered, wasn't it? Is that the idea? Anyway, I'm assuming that was the conscious Fourth Doctor reference. Yes. Okay. There's a swimming pool. And yes, okay, they were running around inside the TARDIS, which reminds you of Invasion of Time. Mm. And last week, uh, was an episode set in a haunted house that was actually haunted by somebody from the future, like Day of the Daleks. 
And the week before that, had an ice warrior thawing out of a block of ice and running around causing havoc, just like in the ice warriors. And the week before, you had the Doctor and his companions turn up on an alien planet and find lots of weird people. Grandfather reference. Just like in the Sensorites, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But there's the grandfather. a bit with that one. Yeah, the grandfather. Grandfather. clutching at But I'm not talking about there. references anymore. <laughs> the references <laughs> in the dialogue and the references... To do in the story. storytelling right. are two different things, right? <laughs> Sense Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's Ring of Ak- uh, Rings of Akaten, right? It was a last-minute script. Mm. So I'm assuming that if all the other scripts reference something in the dialogue and something in the story to each successive Doctor's era, I'm assuming that when they said to Neil Cross, you've got to do the first Doctor with the Rings of Akaten... And I think, well, he got the reference in the dialogue in, but the reference in the story, unless you want to count the fact that they called the son grandfather. Mm. But to me, yeah, that's tenuous. If the other ones have all got story themes, like running around inside the TARDIS, or, you know, like having an ice warrior thawing out and running amok, there was nothing really in the Rings of Akaten. Was so there I'm not an episode just... with William Hartnell and a space bike flying through space? The Sensorites. Probably <laughs> in a TV21 comic there was. Yeah. I want to see that picture. And it was a case of... <laughs> the Sensorites. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Grease 2. <laughs> cool rider. Okay, so we got the fourth Doctor reference running around inside the TARDIS and State of Decay. And what did anybody, Simon? Mm-hmm. What did you think of Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS? I'm um, very, very confused by the whole thing. <laughs> I, I need that. to see it a second time. There was too much going on, and I found it very, very hard to follow. Well, really? I, I found that it was a mixture of the two. A, it's an easy. Yeah. Thing to follow because it's a runaround, isn't it? It's a glorious runaround mm. from A to B, basically, and that's it. But then you've got all these other little complex elements with um, Clara. And I think I wrote down at some point, because um, I want to get this in, otherwise I'll forget it, that that could be a, a reason why there are so many Claras throughout the universe because the TARDIS splinters her through time, just like the Jagaroff thing. Um, that would have made perfect sense, but we didn't actually see that in the end, did we? It wasn't anything of it, so I'm still baffled by what Clara is, as well as I think else. it's a lot to take in. Though we've all been looking forward to this episode so much, so you've got all the different layers. You've got the story to follow, then you've got the characters to follow, then you've got all the little things that you like, you want to see, like the library and looking for all the details and everything. So it's a lot to take in in one in one. I can imagine in different moods, I will watch that episode in different ways. I mean, I was initially put off by terrible acting at the start. Then you, which, which well, really you thought, I thought it was. Me. I thought it was, and then you realise that the guy is supposed to be thick. I just thought it was bad yeah, acting. That's what he's supposed to be like. That's exactly. what well, then, like. like I say, I will watch it again and get it in a different way. So, because yeah. if you come back to it after, uh, you know, it, it, the I thought it was an episode of Grown Chill to his but... three <laughs> idiot sons mm. who've taken the business on and never get any scrap, never no. get any salvage, and end up whiling away the days by pretending one of them's a robot. You know, this they had really, a little bit of the 2000 AD ace trucking that sort of feel to, yeah, to begin yeah. with. Yeah, mixed and that opening scene where they all wake up is like the scene where they all wake up in Alien and yeah, yeah. go for breakfast and everything yeah. else. That's what it reminds sometimes, me. Of. Sometimes you just get an episode where you get about halfway through and you go, "Oh, that's the that's the tone of it," 
and there's always an issue. Sometimes it's there are certain episodes you can just step into straight away, but these are such diverse episodes. They're all so stylized and so mm. they've all got these different flavors. And, and I think sometimes, you know, if, if you're expecting one flavor and you get another one, it takes a little bit of time yeah. to get into it. So I think a second watch will be far, far better for me. Right, I'm done with you two then. Mark, save me. Was that or was that not astonishing? I really enjoyed it. It was like a Come on, guys. That was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm slightly confused by the tone of it. Guys, okay, we've hang on. just wait, seen... Well, hang wait, on. wait, 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 wait. Right, I got really excited. I turned around to Simon and went... It took me about a minute to realise we were going through the corridors of the bloody TARDIS. And I was thinking... We're in the TARDIS. We're going to TARDIS. I got really excited about it. And Not then, just that, but the way it was it, directed. The way it was directed. The yes. shot was no, beautiful. It was, it was, the whole thing was... It was, yeah. it was shot But like a great album, it takes a few listens to get the brilliance of it. That's. I do think there's far more to it. And it's like the first listen of an amazing album where I take little bits. This It's a personal thing. Take little bits and it will become one of the strongest episodes in my own head. I know it yeah, will. Yeah, but it will. did you or did you not enjoy it? Oh, I had loads yeah. of squee moments. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, guys. Yes, I did enjoy it. <laughs> we had lots of squee moments, like Mark yeah. just said. I mean, you know, I mean, when we were walking around and the, the door opened, <clears> we saw the telescope uh, from um, Tooth and Claw. I have to what say, I probably watched in this in an entirely different way because I wasn't looking for all the squee moments. I was looking for a good story set sure? inside the TARDIS. Yeah. 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 yeah, to be honest, things like Your the library... Your cheeks are very tight. <laughs> well, I, did no, get, I, just, I got a tingle up the spine when he was pulling apart the TARDIS console and you can hear Susan yeah. talking yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a little bit Harry, Harry Potter, wasn't it, with the, um, the liquid as well, which is like mm-hmm. the memories, liquid memories. I think it's the things. nearest thing to a love letter to the fans that we've ever had. Hey, that's in, what I wrote. In the, the Doctor's Wife. I wrote Love Letter Day. Yeah, it was, yeah. Well, yes, but not to that degree. It was massive. No, I don't know. I thought it was more so than, uh, less so than The Doctor's Wife, because The Doctor's Wife only exists as a love letter to the fans, whereas this told a good story that just happened to be set inside the TARDIS. Mm. Mm. This was a really, really good version of Mark Platt's Cat's Cradle. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, nobody's yeah. read that book, have they? No. no. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, Mark. Well, not now, no, anyway. Like um, I thought they did a really good job of conveying the scale of the TARDIS. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the fact that he says it's infinite, he's finally said it now that it's it is infinite. I don't know if he he said that before. Yeah, he said, Has he just said uh, it? Before? No, no, I don't think he said it before. No, it's just it's big. In Amy's um, choice, you see a kind of random corridor, mm. and it's quite disappointing. Whereas this, obviously, the whole point of it is to show you more of the TARDIS. And Doctor's wife. Your doctor's wife. Yeah, of course, because it's Amy and Rory running around while the Doctor's off with. Idris, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well. Sorry, I didn't mean to be corrective. <laughs> yeah. I just, no, yeah, yeah, no, no you're right, actually. I, I do remember, yeah, in the corridors yeah. and that, I was going, oh, it's cool. Yeah. It's nice. But there's something about, what was it about this one that was different? Maybe the direction, just the direction. Oh, it's wonderful direction. And, and there was a lot more effort put into the corridors. <laughs> and there was a lot of running around in corridors, and I think that was a massive nod I to thought the they past. were quite clever in the use of the way that they kind of blurred the footage when the future versions of themselves are attacking them. Mm, so mm, you mm. still get the creepiness of it, but you're not... It's like the old 80s ones where they used to overly light it. Very grown up. Yeah. Strangely, though, it was echoing... Really frightening for It was echoing Hyde last week, though, with the, with the fact that you never quite saw the alien clearly, mm. did you? Mm. Thank of course, goodness. the reason... Yeah, but the reason for it in this is they're so hot. It's... Yeah. Yeah. So it's Shimmer. not yeah. without... It's not that they've just... Sometimes they'll put effects on because, you know, you need an effect. Claws of Axos, when the face crumples and it goes to white out because they think <laughs> it's too scary for the kids. 
But in this instance, you've got a reason for having that effect on, and the effect just makes it even mm. scarier. You're trying mm. to figure out what's going on. It's like, oh, what the hell is that? It's and everything, Sorry. everything ties up and makes sense. Mm. It does make that sense. That was astonishing. I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking, oh, he's yeah. just written some creatures in for a bit of peril. Oh, no, no, it's them. And, you know, the resolution is all part and parcel of the same mm. reason why we're seeing these creatures. And the bit where the two guys holding each other turn yeah. into the one. Because mm. you see the one walking around with its hand on its yeah. face. Yeah. Mm. And you th keep thinking, well, he's still got his hand on his face. But you probably didn't realise or twig until quite late on that his hand's actually stuck to his face. Yeah. And that's because yeah. the instant the doctor's supposed to get burned, he happens to have his hand on his face. Mm. And it's like, then you see the two guys turning into the sort of conjoined mm. creature. I mean, if I was five watching that, I would. I would be shitting myself. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to go into the TARDIS anymore, would you? Because you'd no. be scared that those things would be Very hiding underneath. intense episode. Talking about hot creatures. Jenna Louise! <laughs> oh, 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 man alive! I think I'm in love. I utterly, utterly adored her in this. In every shape and form. Great acting. Great eyes. Oh, the acting, was it? Brilliant dress, nice boots. She does do. <sighs> I was gonna. Yeah, okay. Lee. You just carry on. That's, you have your moment. Can you put? Moment. Can you put Jenna back on the tally so I can just look at it while you talk? No. And then at the end, no. post shower. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, so like they didn't God, do that stop. deliberately. <laughs> they probably looked at the yeah. rushes for Cold War and wrote in a shower scene at the end of Journey to the Center yeah, of the TARDIS. Yeah. Unbelievable. Her acting is so good in this. And she, she's not. I thought yeah. you were going to say her <laughs> acting is so good in the shower. <laughs> no, but she is really good in this. And I think that's another, another reason why I like her all of a sudden. She stopped being the companion like all the other companions, started to be more human and is becoming more like the companions of the past with a little bit more guts, a bit more like a Sarah yeah, Jane I Smith, I suppose. I think she's been doing that since the Bells of St. John. Yeah, she has, but there are moments where she's trying Been to be a bit cocky, and, cold, and you know, yeah. even my son said, "Oh, I'm fed up with cocky assistants." And when she's, she's not cocky, really she's ace. Since the bells are sent, I think she she's did that in. I think she did it in <laughs> the Christmas episode, mm. and I think they've written that. They've written that out of her since then. Mm. I think that's what. Well, I don't. Yeah, think... they have. That's what I mean. It's get. She's yeah. got a lot better as a character, and her acting. They've played her the strengths of her acting ability as well. But I also think that's a deliberate move on Stephen Moffat's behalf because there were all that criticism, oh, you only write the same female character all the time. But of course, actually, and I don't believe anybody's ever said this, people keep saying, oh, River Song and Amy Pond, they just like each other. Well, you know, mother and daughter, people. Mother and daughter. Yeah, that's mm. true. Of course they're written similarly. Amy who? They're supposed <laughs> to be related. <laughs> Interesting yeah. that the TARDIS, um, the internals of the TARDIS, both times they've been used, Doctor's Wife and this, is all working on a psychological level, much like our Edge of Destruction. I don't think there's a conscious link between the two, but I just think it's interesting. Ooh, there might be. Do you think? No, I liked what they did, because there's a lot of logic to it. The bit, there were so many moments in this episode where, uh, you know, I'm watching something, and then just for a fraction of a second, I'm thinking, what? And then immediately afterwards, I'm like, ping! Mm. The bit where the door disappears because the TARDIS doesn't want him to get out of the room with the circuit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then the bit where the door reappears because the lesser of two evils is him going with the circuit rather than destroying anything else. And then it just keeps on reconfiguring itself. Yeah. And all the and watching it all the time, you're just going, what now? Oh, yes, of course. 
what now? Oh yes, of course. And all the way <laughs> all through, the way through the episode, I was so worried that we'd get Talky Tardis back, and we didn't. It was all shown mm. by, like you say, action and the words. Doctor being there to say what's going on. Yeah, and that's the way it should have been. Matt Smith was awesome in this. He one. was. Do you he know? Was. I've yeah. had a thought about Matt Smith in well, this he season. Just, He's come changed. back to thought in a second because oh, just on the what they were saying. There are a lot of criticisms of Matt Smith for being too wacky. There was very little wacky in this episode. Mm, mm. Go on, then, Lee. And that, yeah, that was going to say. Basically, he's he's acting a lot more, toned it down. He's not going completely over the top. He's just he's hitting it right all the time. But it's almost like another Doctor. We had Matt Smith in his first incarnation with his uh, you know uh, leather patches on his tweed coat and all that, elbows and, we, and quiff. Yeah, and then we get this new version of him. A bit obviously few hundred years later all grown up a bit more which i absolutely love I fingers, much and chin. fingers and chin and he's, <laughs> he's got this new laugh that he does <laughs> he does this kind of smoky laugh underneath yeah he's kind of matured into the role and this is where i like him best i think was he's, fingers he's and chin la- the sister comic to wizard and chips it was <laughs> no fingers and chin was <laughs> it is now oh, dear <laughs> Well, Fingers and Chin was actually... Who was it who did Wizard and Chips? Was it... I can't remember the name of the company. The, the company that what, did... What, DC Thompson? No, the company... What's it called? The DC company Thompson, that did Wizard and Scottish. Chips. They uh, licensed William Hartnell for a series of comic adventures in the 1960s, and they were going to call that Fingers and Chin. Mm. Right. I think Des Skin started... <laughs> I think Des Skin started up Wizard and Chips in core and all that, didn't he? Well, when he was three. Dead skin. Yeah. The founder of Starburst. Yeah. How long has Wizard and Chips been going? Oh. I don't know. So well, I was aware it was all the same company. Well, maybe, it's, DC maybe it was Core then or something, whichever was Shake, I think I remember. But, yeah, no. We're we talking Smith. about the transformation of Matt Smith. I mean, yeah. Tom Baker goes through a similar thing, admittedly. I think that's yes. more to do with him yeah. getting cheesed off with. Yeah. The but it's the opposite the way around, Tom. But... Let's not forget Matt Smith's a very young man and he's still. Cooking away himself, isn't he? Still finding. Be honest, he took the job when he was twenty-six, and now he's thirty, right? Yeah, that is considerable difference. Think about who you were in your twenties. Third of your adult life, and he has changed physically as well. Four or five different people during my twenties, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it's not till you get to your thirties you kind of start to settle, do you? But we only did Besides, I think he nailed it from the start. Yeah, Yeah. no, I do as well. That I think he had Matt Smith's character all the way through. I've absolutely loved from day one. But there were moments where the script called for him to do things like turn around at vampires and say, one of these days that plan's going to work, <laughs> into the camera almost. And you think, no, I don't, I don't want this kind of wacky, silly doctor looking in the camera and winking and nudging through the script. I want him to be like, we've got now an absolute demon of a character. Yeah, but he did do the winking and nudging at the script last week in Hyde. In what way? Oh, there was love. Uh... Well, if he did it, he hid it very well. No, he's, he's still a part of what's going on with the 11th Doctor. The way he comes in and he's like, toggle, toggle, woggle, woggle. Oh, I love all that. But he and did it, it ghost that's, time. That's what it like is. That. Yeah, it's But he ghost did it time. as a, yeah, yeah. <coughs> ghost time's all right. It was said really well. He could have done it. Yeah, I liked like, it. He could have said it like Jenna Louise Coleman's yeah, dodgy line. Yeah, but he's saying it for the camera is the point, isn't mm. he? He still does it. That's still part of his character. He's not quite he doing a William Hartnell breaking the fourth wall, but it is. No, but yeah, it is. Pr- it's, almost. Maybe then, but it is done differently. It's done in a more mature way. He just didn't do it this week, so you've not got it on your mind. <laughs> yes. You did have a... I love the... 
the one bit where he almost does is the bit where he's talking about the fact that he uh, just set up the countdown, which wasn't actually counting down to anything. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And there's his delight there was at, almost... when he's telling them about it. And then yeah. so crestfallen when he realizes <laughs> it actually is going to blow up. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. And I didn't actually see that coming until probably the last second. And I thought, oh, I bet it's going to overload. Yeah. But um, he that was very like William Hartnell in the in the first uh, ever episode where you know um, Barbara and Ian come in and it's the pilot actually where he electrocutes them. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh. They go they come in and he hmm. Ian goes for the oh, yeah, console to try and open the door <laughs> and and Bill flicks a switch and it electrocutes them. And I think they had to they toned it down for the, oh, yeah, the real yeah, episode. Yeah. I get them confused now because I've watched them so many times each. Um, but I thought he was doing a bit of a William Hartner of right, you know, I'm in charge. You are not going to leave the TARDIS. You're well, it's a bit help. like in um, the Daleks, isn't it? Where he well, um, just sabotages the, the yeah. ship, hides yeah. the fluid link, and yeah. means they have to go off to the sea, and then accidentally leaves it behind when they come back to the yeah. TARDIS. Yeah, but he had to be pretty flipping sure because one of the people actually died because he locked them in the TARDIS in this episode, and it wasn't until the end where it resolved itself that it was everything was okay. But I don't think as a character he knew died, didn't he? at that didn't time. He? Yeah, but when he was telling them about the countdown being fake. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, already, yeah, yeah. Already died, so it's kind of like, well, how can you be joking about this? It's a little bit harsh. But uh, anyway. hey, bit of a cracked to... in the wall moment. Me and Lee looked at each other. We were like, we did. Don't forget the wall. At the start no, of the, the episode. They're talking about leaving him for dead until they realise he's actually outside the box instead of inside the box. Mm. Yeah. And I love that moment where the box is on its side, our lovely blue box, and the guy's up there just thwacking it to hell with his hammer. <laughs> And the saw, and they just can't get in. But I just thought, this is great. Somebody's really having a go at the TARDIS. <laughs> I don't think but I've you seen don't actually see that thing make contact. <laughs> no. <That's true. clears throat> yeah. With the uh, wooden prop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, should we score it? Anybody got anything else to say before we do? Barcode on the neck. Uh, me and Simon's idea from the early 80s, I believe. Late 80s, Late yeah, 80s you had an idea. I was at college. Yeah, yeah so what was the idea? Yeah, just the idea of the barcode on the neck, that was all. I did yeah. a load of drawings of people with barcodes on the neck. We should have known each other because I wrote a story about guys with barcodes on their necks yeah. on a planet that looked like Earth. So mm. you believe it's Earth and you're wondering why they've got barcodes and they're running around. They're actually prisoners. Okay, it's an old science fiction idea. But and we, both, did, we both looked at the screen and went, barcodes. 1138. No, no, it's set on a, uh, on a prison planet with a... Um, uh, an alien that's going around killing people. What's that? Again. Oh, no, it's Alien 3, isn't it? <laughs> alien <laughs> Cube. But it was a world that looked like Earth. That's what they were trying to integrate the people back into society. So that's my idea. barcodes in THX 1138? Isn't that the poster? I never I saw think it that was time. used for the poster. I don't know if they're actually... Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it's in the film. The poster is just the head No, I realised later on that it yeah. was an idea that was hackneyed anyway, but... Yeah. And now we've but seen we just both we both looked at each other and went barcode as if it's like well that was mine. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh dear! Oh, can I just say? I mean, I I was writing some notes. Oh, go on then. Going. Lee's got a list. Um, uh, I've gone through most of it. We've been through most of it. But you stopped halfway through, uh, stopped me halfway through, and took my notepad from me and wrote one word, and on it is whoa. That, I think we've already is that had how that. You feel? I think we've already <laughs> had that. I said that at the start. Yeah, didn't I'm I? going to scan that and put it up on Facebook. Just because it's so sweet. You never visit our <laughs> Facebook page. I will now. <laughs> <laughs> Any more notes then you've got in your 
Guide to notes. Um, yeah, Kaplunk. You know that bit where they were running through the corridors <laughs> with the shards of the TARDIS oh, coming through? Yeah. They just reminded me of Kaplunk. We looked at each other in the library and said, Harry Potter. All of a sudden... Uh, it, just... it, was, it wasn't the library, it was the uh, memory juice. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? That, that was, library, that was definitely it? like... Was it Dream... Is that in one of the Harry Potter yeah. films or something? Yeah, there's a whole Books, library full of people. It just, it, it, all of a sudden it was kind of mystical, and, mystical. Stuff, and the stuff coming out of the bowl. Yeah, I, I liked it. I yeah, no, I liked it. Can I say that that library was very similar to a, um, a, um, a cartoon strip that Rob Davis did for mm. Doctor Who um, a few years back, which was called the... Uh, it, it it was a play on the Narnia, Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe. Oh, right. A year later, of course, the Widow Wardrobe thing came out. Mm. But No, it's just that he did this, he did this drawing, that. and it was really quite similar to that. It's quite beautiful. And that's exactly you, how I imagine the library to look we like. We haven't actually I, given credit to the writer yet. I think he did a fantastic job. Really, and who really was the writer, Mark? It was... Uh, is it Steve Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, the guy who also writes Sherlock. Ah. The guy who wrote The Curse of the Black Spot. Yeah. You're joking me. People are going to see this as redemption, but I don't think The Curse are of the you, Black you're Spot You're joking me. Bad. You wrote that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was shit. That was. I hate <laughs> it. Yeah, but people <laughs> said. Did that you really? A, I don't mince your words, Lee. Hated don't that one. I thought I that episode it. was absolutely fine, and I oh, really I don't, don't see why people have a problem with it. No, I think the problem I have is that I have an absolute love of. The ocean, the sea, pirates. Didn't and you stuff. call it the curse of the crap script? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I just thought it was eating your words. You now, see what's happened here, words. though, is that he's written this. I've been chibnaled after having. Uh, no, it's more of a Tom McRae, isn't it? Rise of the Side Men to the Girl Who Waited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's obviously written this after he did the series two finale in Sherlock. In series one, the, the the episode that he wrote was the most ordinary, for want of a better word. But then in series two, even though obviously there would have been a lot of co-writing with Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat, but still, he's the guy who sat down at the keyboard and wrote down the initial version of that third episode, the finale in the second series of Sherlock. And I think you can tell, because Curse of the Black Spot, I thought was fine, but it wasn't particularly densely plotted, whereas this was. This was deceptively densely plotted. There was a lot going on in this, and it all tied up, pretty much. And there was one thing I noticed. It's a half- word, dense. It was very yeah. dense. And that's, there was, that's well, there was I mean one point halfway through. I can't remember what it was now. I spotted something, and I thought, no, that actually doesn't make sense. But it was only a minor quibble in amongst everything else. Was, and what... I enjoyed about what I liked about this episode more than you guys with your squee moments with the library and the swimming pool and so on. I like, no, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying (laughs) those were the things I was just kind of expecting and taking for granted. You knew you'd see a library. You knew you'd see a swimming pool. And basically all it is, is a little bit of green screen with the swimming pool at the end of the corridor. Shut up. But... (laughs) At the end, where you get to see the eye of heart, the yeah, the star exploding in the heart beautiful. of the TARDIS. Mm. I, that, that's what Damn. I. That was the one thing at the start. I thought, will you get to that? And will they show that? And will it be worth it? And yes, it was. Before, Very hitchhikers. Yeah. Before we started this, you said to me, um, "Get your thesaurus because you're not going to have enough words for you know t- to describe it." 
i.e. beautiful, right? Only and because I, you used all it four the way, times in a single sentence last way, week. All the way through this, I was thinking, I mustn't say it's beautiful. And then I just said it. You can say it's beautiful um, if it was. I've got to say, before we kind of call it a day with this, if that's where we're going now, I think one of my favourite scenes is um, the, uh, um, the TARDIS's echo where he describes it as a, as a flick switch. Oh, yeah. You know, flick switch. And you can just hear Jenna, and then she suddenly appears, and he pulls her out, he goes into his arms, and then thumps him really hard. It's mm. just beautifully played. And Great not only that, really authentic scream as she comes through, yeah. and a lot of actresses struggle with that. And I was, you know, it sounds a bit sad to say, but when you get an authentic-sounding scream from a Doctor Who companion, it just makes your heart go Yeah, it's a proper, gladly. fearful scream. Um, and that was a that great lovely scene. bit of acting from her where she runs into him and then just assumes that he's the monster and then runs back a bit. Yeah. And there's some lovely. That's a great moment. Oh, there, there's some fantastic bits of acting between the pair of them when they're talking about the the name and the book and stuff as well. Oh God, we and there's some oh, yeah. genuine, genuine sort of anger and resentment coming from her towards him and vice versa at moments She's as well. Scared I think. Of him and- yeah, yeah, at moments, and then yeah. she's all right when she... It's like when you know somebody and you know 75% of their character and they're a really lovely fella, but then you start just to get flashes of what the other 25% must be because you can never know anybody completely. But yes, like you, you point at me and smile. <laughs> That's me, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but the point is, you never get that on television, do you? Not certainly not in this kind of television. No, you don't get no. to see those aspects of a character no. where you're finding out the things that you don't normally find out. And actually, you are here, and I don't. I know there's hundreds of layers in just a few conversations with them. I don't know if we ever seen anything like that in Doctor Who before. Can't Maybe think not. of any of the other Doctor. I mean, Colin Baker started off like that, but that was very much a conceit i mean tenant was supposed to be the you know one minute he's all happy chappy next minute he's all a bit manic depressive and a bit dangerous and godlike and then he does the time lord victorious yeah but But it was was, so overt it was very not panto but it was really overt overt, is what it was ostentatious whereas here it's subtle and real and authentic and Mm. it works because it's just about the characters rather than about the momentum of the episode. Yeah, and banging on about how I'm the Doctor and I can do this, that, and the other. That's the other thing that hasn't really happened throughout this um, this run, apart from the bit where he turns up at the door and she says, uh, Doctor Who, and he goes, oh, come on then, say it again. Ooh, oh, I love it when people say that. I'll tell you apart what. from that, he hasn't banged on about him being the Doctor and I'm this powerful Tumblr and I I'm can do this and I can do that. Three years yeah, old. I hated all that. I tell you what, self-referential rubbish. I t- all this Doctor Who business, I don't think we mentioned it last week in Hyde. Um, I'm the Doctor, Doctor what, if you like. That was, that <laughs> was my <laughs> favourite line. It was my favourite yes. line as well. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was lovely. That was the one that took the sting out of the um, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters line, yeah. It did. And I, had, I watched it the other night with uh, my, my son uh, on repeat because we couldn't see it live on Saturday night. And I, th- I sat my wife down as well. She didn't normally watch it. And I said, look, it's got the cool midwife woman in it. Watch it. You'll like it. It's in an old stately home. You'll like it. It's ghosts. You'll like it. And it started up and um, she ended up starting to phone somebody. And she missed that line about Dr. Watt. And I said, Finn, rewind it. So he rewound it. 
and she put the phone down and, and Finn was going, put the phone down, mum, you've got to listen. <laughs> we watched it again, then my daughter came stomping through in a teenage mood, missed it again. I said, no, rewind again, rewind it. I mean, about the third time in, fourth time in, I think it was, we ended up watching it. And she goes, what am I watching? And Finn because said, by that oh, time, that was quite good. And, yeah. But it wasn't really that funny, Dad. You kind of lost like, the moment. <laughs> you built it up just a little too much. I know, but point. they hadn't heard the Ghostbusters line, so that was fresh to them. And they both looked at each other and went, cheese. Oh, I didn't mind that at all. I thought that was a nice reference back to the way they overdid the Ghostbusters thing in oh, Army right. of Ghosts. <laughs> Which because works, here actually. they didn't overdo it. It's just a simple, we're here to bust ghosts. Yeah, no, It I, is I shaping up well towards the end of the series now, I think. It is. It don't is. change the subject. I've it got is. something else to say here. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Um, no, I just want to go back. While we're talking about Hyde, there's been a lot of criticism of the fact that it was too schmaltzy. What? But where? I thought it pulled back from that really well. Yeah. Every time you had a scene where it looked like it was going to go into the schmaltz, either he pulls away or she pulls away it was, or something it happens. It was done well. like perfect BBC historical drama. <clears throat> and at the end, the bit where it could have got schmaltzy, the bit where it could have been the great big love-in at the end, yeah. what do you get instead? Matt Smith walks up and says, oh, you do realise she's your granddaughter. <laughs> oh, you don't. Oops. Yeah. What a great way to punch a hole yeah. through the potential for Schmaltz to rear and its also, head again, and make sure it does perfect kind of boy-like character getting it all a little bit wrong. Well, yeah. what are we supposed to do now? Well, hold hands for a long time. That'll work. You know, a, a, another great almost throwaway line, which is just so his character. Oh, uh, brilliant. Schmaltzy. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I don't think so. It was, it was so. pitch perfect. Anyway, go on, Mark. You're about to make a point. I was just saying it's, um, <laughs> it's building up nicely towards the end of the series. Um, the next one... We had the next time trailer for, what's it called again? The Crimson... The Crimson Horror. Crimson Horror. Great name. Mark Gatiss. Is this going to be the one where he knocks our socks off or are we just going to be left... I hope so. The trailer looked end? brilliant. It looked it, like Talons of Wing Chang yeah. meets Am- oh, Amicus films. That Hammer trailer horror. gives too much away. Oh. I was in I the unfortunate position of having watched The Crimson Horror before Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. And when I saw that trailer at the end, I just thought, no, d- no, d- no. <laughs> and it's, and it's, you know how the trailers, because <clears throat> there's an art with these trailers, and very often the trailer looks like it's telling you loads yeah, of stuff. And it's actually just the first six minutes of the episode. Mm. Well, this trailer for the Crimson Horror is like the last six minutes of the episode. I'm like, what? Mm. Well, the journey to the centre of the TARDIS, um, I don't know if we had a chance to talk about the trailer last time we were on the podcast, but I wasn't impressed with it. I thought, oh, that looks a bit duff. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that was very you know the rule, don't you? Bad trailer, good Great episode. Program. Oh, no. Does that mean no, no. next week's is not going to be very good? Oh, no. Yeah, because actually the trailer for Hyde wasn't great. It looked no. a little bit... Strax is back. Ghost story. Yay. I love Strax, though. Yay. I know. Ah, I know but Simon you've Strax. got to remember, this is the first time Strax has been written by somebody other than Stephen Moffat. And he gets to fire his gun. <laughs> I like it. It's like Jago and Lightfoot with reptiles and spuds. <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's got to be. Simon surely. keeps looking at me as if he wants me to say something else, but I can't, can I? What, we'll what talk way? about it next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do scores. I suppose we better add, yeah. Doors on the TARDIS doors. Well, you're looking at me now. Yeah, come on, your turn first now. My turn to score it. Well, 
I'm going to give it a nine. I really liked it, but I'm not entirely sure it was a ten. Mm. <laughs> don't know why I'm surprised because th- this is the only episode since we've been doing the podcast where you literally stood up and screamed whoa that's <laughs> your explanation yeah but that is a reaction to the um, initial experience of watching the episode mm. and you can't get that a second time some episodes, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, perfect example. Second time you watch it is just as good, mm. if not better, than the first. But with this, this is one of those episodes where the first time you watch it is the special one. And it's not going to be that special again. It's like, a, it's like watching a whodunit. As soon as you know whodunit, you cannot watch it the same the next time. Mm. And this was very much like that. Not just in that the st- you're waiting to see if the story works its way out, but at the same time, all the stuff you're expecting about what you might see in the TARDIS, mm. you're not going to get that next time because you're going to know what you're going to see. Uh, yeah. So and I think it's a I understand nine... what you're saying about the feeling of you know the yeah. surprise and getting it firsthand. But... So the, the, the initial experience was mm. a 10. When I watched this last night, oh, I okay. was literally, almost literally, on the edge of my seat from the first minute to the last... But watching it the second time, I'm like, it's tempered slightly. Okay. But it's still a damn good episode, and it's definitely worth a nine. I would probably plumb for an eight. Um, so it would be a high score, an eight, but an eight. And I think that when I watch it again, I'll have the opposite of what you have done by making it lower. I'm gonna, I'll probably go higher to a nine. I think, like Simon, it was complex, um, mm. deceiving. I think perhaps because of the way you came into the conversation, you two perhaps missed stuff that you would have enjoyed more because you were concentrating on slightly other things. Yeah, 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 sure. So maybe it'll go up, but I'd say eight. Shimon! Yeah, like you you were saying about the density, the density of the thing. There was so many ideas and standard script and ideas and visually so much to take in. And these are very tired eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, so then. I think the second time I watch it will be the one when I watch it on my big telly at home in HD. I'll, I'll absorb it completely, and, and but I, I think I'll have to go with Leon on eight because it did. It pressed a lot of buttons, but I'm still not quite sure what it is. But it's obviously a one-off, and they are amazing. Those one-off episodes. Yeah, where they there's are, not going to be another episode no, like this. No, they are an entity in their own right. Um, Girl awaited. Blink. Um, Doctor's Wife, these little nuggets where there's no other episode quite like them and they're always very special. Oh, Love of Monsters as well. Okay then, Ramcock, your score. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan Richard. You just called him Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes! I can love Zero. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Touche uh, Yeah, quite. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Touche Oh, oh dear. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was. Of course, my real name's actually Jason Robards. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Rhubarbs? I thought it was Jam Roll. Ooh. Or Just Roll. There you go. Jenny Ron. Anyway. <laughs> Jammy Ring. <Ooh. laughs> Quick, Mark, talk like before he says like something that. you regret. It was an epic roller coaster of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is I don't want to be thinking. Excitement? I don't want to be thinking about epic roller coasters and jammy rings in the same breath. <laughs> the jammy rings of Akaten. <laughs> uh, score it! Score it! Score it now! Uh, lots of fantastic moments. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Nine out of ten. <laughs> This, obviously, Mark and I have been left on cloud euphemism. <laughs> euphemism? I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> he was JR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were Lee. You'd never think we were doing this he by was Skype, Mike. would you? <laughs> and I was Jason Jason Donovan. <laughs> God, end it quick. And you were Simon. No, 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 we must... Oh, what now? Oh, what now? What? We've ended. <laughs> okay. No. no, we don't have to. Go on, what are you going to say? Come on. No, don't we... Uh, no. You can't remember now, can you? No, I was thinking there was something else we needed to do before the end of the episode, but... A dance oh, we'll routine? Name the doctor? No, we've already... No, we did it all at the start, didn't we? Aren't you supposed to say, speak again soon? Oh, that's it. <laughs> I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. I was Simon. <laughs> I'll speak again soon. God, that's creepy. What the hell did I put in your tea?